What is good, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. Today we have a an Oreo packed episode, which is something that we usually don't ever do. This might be like the first time in our history where where the the Orioles are like the main topic of our conversation. Uh, I'm here with Rob. Say, man, Rob, how you doing? Yo, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, and, and you're definitely right on that. I don't think there's been many many years in in our existence where you could point to the Orioles as being one of the main standouts in a in a baseball season, but hey 2023 and here we are i mean it's, it's a time coming right they've been i mean like since we started doing this podcast they've pretty much been asked like it, it was we started this podcast after machado left already right so i think he was a dodger at that time we were talking about the trade, trade deadline at that point and what machado meant to the dodgers since then it's kind of been a mess it, it really hasn't been good I, I think their their shining light has had been like cedric mullins like two years ago or last year Right, like aside from that, it's kind of been all bad news if you're an Oriole fan. So, like Oriole fans, rejoice! You know what I mean, have have fun with this with this next episode, man. But, but let's start there. Like right now, the Orioles have what third best record in baseball. Uh, right now, second in the Rays in the AL East. When we all know that the Rays got off to that ridiculous start. Since then, by the way, there's multiple teams within five games of the of the Rays, so they came back to earth. But you know, of course, one of those teams is the Orioles. Yo, Rob, man, what have you seen from the Orioles so far? A lot of good things. I mean, it, it's I can't just sit here and, and hate on them because they're they're in front of our Yankees in the division, right? Like, I think with the Orioles, the, the key to success to them, they have the players that they have. Um, like you mentioned, you have a guy like Cedric Mullins, but it has to be Adley Rushman. At this point in time, until other guys end up coming up for them, it has to be at the Adley Rushman and Cedric Mullins show. Like that, Like, that's how they're going to move forward as a team. Both of those guys are are performing, um, you know, really well. I was looking up some of their stats. Adley Rushman on the year hitting 274, 843 OPS, 137 WRC plus. I mean, through if you compare his sample size so far this season to last year, he's about 80 points better on the OPS end um, so far through his first 51 games this season. Cedric Mullins is also kind of similar in that sense with you know an 847 OPS. They have a they have a good amount of of role players, which a lot of teams can't say that they do. Like the Orioles are at a point right now where they're kind of they have so many guys in their lineup, but they don't have necessarily a lot of guys that you point to and are like, you're bad at baseball. Like they have a lot of just average like guys that play baseball, whether you look at, you know, Santander, the year that Jorge uh, Mateo is is having guys like Ryan Mount Mountcastle, guys like um Austin Hayes, like they're all they're all serviceable guys that are just like playing really well, even when they have situations like top prospect Gunnar Henderson, who a lot of us had, you know, as probably running away with rookie of the year. He hasn't been doing anything close to that. I don't I, he's going to have to have like a remarkable, you know, end of the first half, second half here to even be in the conversation, if we're being honest. Um, so I, I think the fact that they're doing all of that with everything happening to them um, is is pretty significant, you know, and then you shift over and you look on the pitching end. I think that's the spot where like a lot of us have talked about that's their weak spot. Like, yes, you can look at their bullpen and they have two guys in there right now in Bautista and Cano who are like doing what they're doing, just elite reliever stuff. And that's, that's all great. They don't have a single starting pitcher that you look at and you're like, this guy is overly, you know, phenomenal. And that's like, it's just not there. Like it's not on their roster. You look at, even if you look at, at the guy who's probably seen as the best guy right now, Kyle Gibson. If Kyle Gibson is your number one guy, I mean, if you want to point to Tyler Wells, 
Yeah, if you want if you want to point to Tyler Wells, who, you know, is performing a little better statistically, but even when we point to like I've talked about it before here, right? It's it'll be beneficial for them when they get John Means back. However, John Means is not a elite pitcher in baseball. He's a good he's a and good starting pitcher. And hasn't pitched in two years too, by the way. It's been it's been a while since we've seen right. the major league mound. Yeah, no, exactly. So like John Means is a guy who has a three point eight like career ERA. That's the guy that you're excited about coming back. So think about the position that you're starting pitching is in in that sense. And we just saw them the other day too, demoted Grayson Rodriguez, which again, I'm not going to say is is the end of the world, right? Like I still expect Grayson Rodriguez to turn into a good starter at the major league level, but we have to call it what it is. He was absolutely horrible. Through 10 starts this year, um, I was 7.35 ERA, 1.72 whip, 5.9 for you know FIP, which you know is it, something you, you always look at FIP to kind of like make that argument of like, oh yeah, even though this guy's ERA is 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 pretty high, like you know his advanced analytics are a little better. Even his advanced <laughs> analytics are bad. So like, there's no way to work around the fact that Grayson Rodriguez has just hasn't been what you want him to be. And I think that's the key, right? Like you look at a John Means, you look at a Grayson Rodriguez. There's a certain level that you see both of those guys where you're like damn, like we can get something back and, and possibly contribute on the starting pitching end. But I think as a team, um, and we've alluded to it before, they have to be in the acquisition market. That's, a, that's essentially what it is. You have to be out there. You have to be willing to either trade top pieces or um, invest in your team a little bit more heavily to acquire a top of the line starter. We don't know, you know exactly the names that are going to be available once the trade deadline comes around. And sometimes there's names that you don't expect that become available. But they, at any point in time, if there is a top starter made available, I think the Orioles have to be in that discussion to be taken even more seriously. They're playing good baseball, but at this point in time, even if I say they might make the postseason, right? Because I remember like preseason, I ended up going with the with the Angels to take the, the third wildcard spot. But I said, you know, all of these teams that I have there, like, the Rays are obviously exceeding my expectations, but that Angels Rays Orioles, I was like, one of these teams is going to take that third wild card. Like, I, one of these teams is going to be a postseason team. So, can and would I be super surprised if the Orioles made the postseason? No. However, I still think they're currently on that trend moving towards contention and not necessarily, you know, a team that I'm looking at like, oh, this team is a contender. They're taking it all this year. It, it, it's crazy, man. Like, what, what I love about the Orioles, and I, and I think the, the staff backed this up, is they have a very deep lineup. And their bullpen till this point has been amazing, right? Um, you have your New York Canoe and Felix Batista pitching out of their goddamn minds right now. But when it comes to, to the lineup, man, like, like you mentioned, they don't have guys that are, are holes. I think their worst hitter might be their, their, their shortstop, Jorge Mateo. And there's a good chance that, that he gets replaced before the end of this year if Jordan Westbrook, I mean Jordan Westbrook, what the hell am I saying? Jordan Westberg um, comes up for the minor leagues and gets some playing time. I don't know if that's going to happen because Jorge Mateo, he is a – a very good shortstop defenseman. But but here's the thing, you know, I think they're a playoff team. I think they'll make the playoffs here. But I don't see how deep they can go. And their starting pitching scares the crap out of me. I, I wish Nick was here because Nick is the, the master of saying, this team can't develop arms, <laughs> right? And and we, we've, seen it, we, we've seen it with other guys, right? Like Kevin Gossman, who right now is a Blue Jay. He came from this Orioles system. When he was the Orioles, we thought he was fucking boo-boo. Right, like he was, he was awful. Where he had to show us multiple years that he wasn't a trash pitcher after coming out of the Orioles. So, you know, it scares me for a guy like Grayson Rodriguez. It scares me that DL Hall is twenty four years old 
and we've yet to see legitimate starting pitching innings from him because he's another guy that was supposed to be, hey, throw him in there. He, he'll he's eventually part of you know this rebuilding starting staff, right? And kind of to your point of of well, what's going to be out in the market, right? Like I, I made like a short list of guys that I think might be available like legitimately, right? And I no longer have Corbin Burns on there because let, let's face it, Brewers are probably winning that division. Just because that division is so bad in the NL Central, so I don't know if they if they trade him unless they get something like if the Orioles call him and say, "Hey, yo, dude, we'll give you Jackson Holiday straight up for Corbin Burns." They send Corbin Burns in a UPS package, right? Like they'll put him in a box next day delivery. But aside from that, I don't I don't necessarily know if they're if they'd be that interested in trading him. But you know, guys that they might target, Herman Marquez, last year deal in in um, Colorado. Colorado's forever rebuilding. So they'd be interested in some prospects, right? Um, the way that this lineup for the Orioles is set up, I don't know how much better their prospects can make them. I think them bringing their prospects up might hold them back a little bit because you have to account for some time that they might struggle, like like we're seeing with Gunnar Henderson, right? Like, as good as Gunnar Henderson is, he's come up and he struggled, right? If you're a contending team, how many guys can you have on, in that position, right? We're seeing it with the Yankees and their young guys with, with Volpe and and stuff like that. Sometimes young guys struggle. But Herman Marquez, I think that that's an easy one for them to get if they really wanted to. I think – let me let me just add, oh, add to that because I, I don't know if, if you might have seen the news, but uh, because I think it was only just a couple weeks ago. I agree that it would be a good name for them to acquire, but Herman Marquez is also more than likely needing Tommy John surgery. So Jeez, okay, I don't wow, know. I missed that one. Yeah, so That's it, what happens when you're a rocking. <laughs> no, you get no news about you. You get no news. Oh, man. So, 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 so let's scratch that one off so that's easy. E- easy scratch off yeah. the list then, right? So then, uh, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez. Did he get hit by a truck or anything yet recently? Um, the guy from the Tigers? I hope not. But he, no, he's, he's another do, good he's option. Doing well. right? He's doing well. He's got team options. Um, I don't know if if Detroit necessarily considers themselves a contender. He, they're, they're second in the AL Central, which is a whole other topic of conversation we're going to have later. But, you know, I think Eduardo Rodriguez, for the right price, he can, they can have him. Um, we know Detroit needs better, younger players. Right, um, maybe Aaron Nola. He's on the last year of this contract. Phillies have looked absolutely terrible. Do they try to stick it out this year and say, "Hey, we're, we have good enough talent on this team to make a second half run"? I don't know. Then you have like groups of guys. Anybody on the White Sox not named Dylan Cease, uh, you know, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn. But do you trade top prospects for those guys? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like it, it, it's hard to know who who I trade for this. And then you always have like the Marlins guys because you know we don't know where they're going to be. They have an excess of arms, right? So for them, it might be worth it to trade a close top tier arm like a Max, like Max May or something like that, for I don't know, maybe a Jordan West, Westbrook, right? Because they have they have offense. Right? The Orioles aren't missing offense. But aside from that, I had one more crazy idea, and he just went on the IL too. Julio Arias is on the last year of his deal with the Dodgers. He hasn't been great this year. He, he definitely hasn't been great for the Dodgers this year, right? He's on the IL now. Is there a world where the Dodgers call up the Orioles and say, hey, look, we know you have all these great guys. We're kind of not really ready. We, we don't really know how much money we're going to spend because we're trying to pay old Tani a billion dollars next year. If you want to take a risk, we're probably not going to re-sign him. It might fill up a spot like, you know, maybe Jordan Westbrook could be their, their next shortstop, right? Because right now it's Miguel Rojas, who – isn't really a franchise shortstop in my opinion. Or do you ask for a Colton Cowser? 
that that outfield is still kind of a rebuild too, right? You have James Outman, who's, who's the future out there. But other than that, you're playing kind of journeyman guy at this point in their career and, and David Peralta and um, what's the name? Hayward, right? So is it is it crazy to think that they might move Julio Arias if they don't think they're going to re-sign him? I don't know if it is. They, they, need, to, they need to fill up their future, right? Like they need to re- refill those those guys that left. So I, I think it's a crazy one, but but I, we've seen crazy trades before, right? Um, you know, one one big thing about them, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, their, their future. Do, do you see any of these guys coming up this year um, as far as the, their prospects or – because I, I just don't know how, how, how much they can improve the lineup that's already there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's tough. You know, I think maybe maybe we see a a, a Colton Kowser like come up at some point um, just because I, I feel like that's even though you can point, you know, like you mentioned to shortstop being maybe a, a slightly bigger hole for them. I don't expect, you know, Jackson Holiday to be up this year. Yeah, not at all. Not um, at all. I think, yeah, let, let, yeah. Let, let's just make that clear. We do, we do not see Jackson Holiday coming up the major league team till next year at, at best. Yeah, at the earliest. Yeah. At the earliest, like he'll be up next year. Um, so like like you mentioned, it's it's tough because for them, again, the lineup is not the weakness. They the the Orioles have a when you look at, at their lineup one through nine, like yeah, there's not necessarily a guy that you point to to be an offensive superstar, you know, because I don't even think, even though we think highly of Adley Rushman, I don't think Adley Rushman is that, you know, at this point. Like he's not a he's not, at least. yeah. He's not yet a uh, uh, Joe Maurer or a Buster Posey in that sense that's giving you like that super, super high level offense, um, even though he's giving you really good offense. Um, they're just a team that through their entire lineup, they're doing well all around. So I don't know. I, I think that I think that's still one of their scariest parts, because, again, when whenever you're in this position that the Orioles are in, you're either going to call up your guys or you're going to cash out. You know, it, it's one or the other. So like you mentioned, like if you're going to acquire someone like a Julio Urias, who from the guys that you mentioned is probably the biggest difference maker. Like, is he having a disappointing year? Yes. But all, out of the names that you mentioned, a guy that you can slot in as your number one, number two guy in, a, in an actual, you know, contending rotation, he would be the guy that you would acquire, but you're still going to have to give up pieces for that. And, and again, it's the Dodgers. So when you're, when you're the Dodgers and you're one of the best run organizations in the league, it's not like you're about to get, um, you know, like someone's just going to come in there and rob you blind. Yeah. Like, it's just, so they're, they're going to make sure that they, that they actually like review the Orioles prospects and be like, you know what? We want these guys. If you want Urias, I think, look, to go along with what you mentioned, the one guy that you didn't mention, who I think is in that same conversation with Urias as a difference maker, again, availability is always a question with him, but like a guy like Shane Bieber for, for the guardians, because let's be real, the guardians, and we're going to talk about it a little later. The guardians are having a down year. And at some point, you have to start to cash in on these pieces when you kind of start to get the feel that your team is not really a contender, right? It's another year that goes by your your actual, the Guardians have, I would say, two pieces right now who are, who are <clears throat> maybe three, depending on, you know, how you view this season, who are like legitimate, like superstar pieces in their roles. Shane Bieber, uh, Jose Ramirez and Emmanuel Classe, depending on how you view on it in the in their roles, even though Classe is is having a little down year as well. You kind of have to cash out if your team is not is not really going anywhere. Like and and Shane Bieber is that guy where it's just like the package that Shane Bieber could get you in return is solid for you to be able to start some type of rebuild for yourself because Shane Bieber former Cy Young award winner, 
every year that he's that he's been able to to be healthy, he's in that. Hey, this guy is a top ten, top fifteen pitcher in the game conversation. He is a difference maker in that sense. He is a guy that even more than a Urias, you you would slot in as a number one for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so I think I think maybe that route could potentially be interesting for them. But but again, it's it's one or the other. They're not, I don't think they're in a position where they're going to have both. I think Jackson Holiday is probably the most protected prospect in that sense. Like Jackson yeah, Holiday will trading. be a Baltimore unless, unless they say, yeah. hey, Otani, t- take him. Any of also, he's also going to sign with you. Like, no, no question that's going to sign with you guys. Unless yeah. that happens, there's no way Jackson Holiday goes anywhere. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, and, and so, again, that means that if you're going to acquire a big arm, then you're going to have to give up some of these other pieces. We're probably even talking about pieces that are currently on the roster, right? Like, I don't right. necessarily right. think uh, Anthony Santander or an Austin Hayes is necessarily, you know, a, a super safe player in any type of discussion like that for a, for a, an elite level arm. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do, because I, I think I think we started to see a little bit from them last year. And as we're moving more along here and they start winning more games, you start to get more experience from Adley Rushman. You kind of want Adley Rushman to be in that position where he's kind of making these connections with guys that you see as long-term arms and not just like your Kyle Gibsons of the world. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's either going to be, I would say at the latest, the Orioles have to get in the market for an elite starting pitcher by next season, because if not, it's just going to be years of your pitching is not going to be good enough for you to be viewed as a real contender. Yeah. It was, it was always head scratching to me that they didn't really get into the starting pitching market this, this off season, right? Like, you know, Rodon, whatever happened, Rodon, happen when we're done, but he was someone who I thought they would legitimately go after. Um, you know, I, I think there was a chance that they got they got Justin Verlander. I think that one was Justin Verlander wouldn't have got wouldn't have gone there. But still I thought they'd be maybe Jameson Tyon, right? Who even though he's been trash going into this offseason, he was one of the better options out there in, in the free agent market. But let's transition this into the AL Central man. And he started with the Guardians and they look the biggest thing with the Guardians, and it has to do with Shane Bieber, is the last few years they've had an identity. They pitch well, they field well, and they hit just enough to be dangerous. You know, it's how they got into the postseason last year. Um, you know, it, it's kind of what, you know, we, we always expected a few starting pitchers to be there to be above average to, to really good, right? Um, that's not this year's team. This year's team sucks. It, it, like you mentioned, it's, it's Jose Ramirez. It's Emmanuel Classe and and it's Shane Bieber, and that that's usually like a problem, until you see the rest of the teams in the AL Central, where it's wait a minute they all suck. There's not one good team in the AL Central. Like as bad as the White Sox have been, they are legitimately six games from first place, which is very doable when you have seventy five percent of the season still left. So, I mean, where, where do we start with AL Central, man? Like, like, what, what are you seeing from from this division? <laughs> I mean, dude, uh, if I'm being honest, I'm I'm not seeing anything. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing I'm seeing a division where the whoever takes this division is going to come into the playoffs to possibly get bodied by by a wild card team, like more than likely. Because again, we're just going to see. We already talked about it before. The AL East is is in a position where it's more than likely going to end up sending three teams to the postseason, like like it is every year. Um, since they had the expanded, uh, you know, playoffs. So I, I think they're in a tough position, man. You Look, you point out the Guardians. Again, I just talked about it. They have these three superstars. Dude, J-Ram is, has an 804 OPS. 
which in the world of J-Ram, who is a legitimate superstar talent in this game, is a legitimate MVP candidate almost every season where he's playing at 100%. Like, that's not good whatsoever to almost have a, a, a OPS in the 700s. And, you know, it's not all on him either. But again, the, when you're the superstar of the team, like the team kind of like rocks how, the way that you're rocking. And even if you you look at all their row pieces, guys that we, you know, talked about highly last season, your Steven Kwans, your, your Andres Jimenez are down. Your Josh Bells aren't necessarily contributing to the level that you would like. Your, your psychos like your Josh Naylors aren't contributing to a level that you would like. Um, and they're not getting any type of, of elite starting pitching like, you know, and they, you can also point to the fact that, yeah, they're missing a guy like Tristan McKenzie, right? Like that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt any rotation where you're when you're missing a guy that has that level of potential. But it, it's not just him. It's not just one thing that you point at. Oh, man, if we had Tristan McKenzie, like everything would be fixed. I, I think it's it's with their entire team. But even then you say that about them. And like you mentioned, they're still in a position where we're here in September talking about the Guardians having a seven game lead in the central because that's that's just how the central tends to like play out. Um, I think it's a dude, it's it's a lot of bad. Like we don't have to cover, for example, we don't have to cover the White Sox. We've talked about them enough this season. Like it's 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 a lot of problems that you could point at. You don't really have to talk about the Royals. Like I li I literally um last night when I was looking through teams, I went to the Royals roster so to see like how people are doing this year, to see like what could what could stand out to possibly talk about the 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 Royals because they have one of the worst records in baseball. Like they're they're a team that like you look at the White Sox, like you just mentioned, like still having a shot. The Royals have no shot of taking this division. Like it's they're they're more than likely going to be the fifth place team. Um, if you're looking for something bright to talk about the Orioles, you can like legitimately, Daniel, this is just fact. <laughs> These are the only things that you can talk highly of this this season so far. You can talk highly about Salvador Perez, who's having a, a decent year. But again, Salvador Perez is is a vet. He we we have him in our top catchers conversation. And you saw the season that he had a few years ago with the home runs. He's not doing that this season, but he's, he's having a good offensive season. Vinny Pascutino, who's also having a good, a good offensive season. And you can pass, talk about the watch. potential. Best, best, the best thing in baseball right now is the Pascutino. Anytime <laughs> he does anything, you just see, you see a Sasquatch and Alfred walking around. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite things to see on the highlights right now. Yeah. So that, that's number two. That's number two. And then number three is literally the potential of Bobby Witt Jr. Because you can't even talk about Bobby Wood Jr. Because it's not like he's having a crazy season either. Like, it, you can just talk about the potential. I'm going to give you one more. And you're going to fucking hate me for this. Aurelis Chapman. Aurelis I mean, Chapman look, out here throwing 104. He's, he's getting it done, man. Like, his numbers are, are, are sick this year. No, yeah, no. I, 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 I agree. I think he's, he's going to be he, – he's, he's done a little, a little worse, like, recently. But I, I think he still has like a 2.8-something ERA, which, again, for his standards, the way that he's been the last couple seasons with the Yankees, like, is is great. And I, I think we we talked about it before on the side, too, where, like, he's probably a name that you throw out there for sure at the trade deadline. Like, please yeah. trade him to a contender or something like that because the Royals are the Royals. are the Royals. Like, unfortunately, that's just what the situation is. Um, <laughs> they're, just, they're just a really Yo, bad you, team. You know, you know what's going to happen with Chapman? Chapman is going to get traded to the Baltimore Orioles. And you're gonna see a seven, eight, nine of Chapman, Batista, and Cano, and they're gonna go lights out. They're gonna have their they're starting to pitch five, and and they're gonna take care of the rest of the games. And that's how they're gonna they're gonna beat everybody. Dude, if it worked for them, if it worked for them, it worked for them. But you you know my philosophy. Like once you're as as a Yankee fan, once you're at a point with me where I'm just like I've had enough of your shit. Like go have all the success in the world that you want to have with another team. Like because you weren't doing that here. 
Like that's just that's just what I that's just what I go with. You weren't doing that here. So and I can't like like you know sleep on that all the time. Like it's just like yeah, man, like, go, coming up. Yeah, go go and go enjoy your life. But I think look, it, it just looking at the rest of the division, um, just just to be quick with it, you talked about Eduardo Rodriguez. If if we're talking about if we're talking about the like how we just did with the with the Kansas City Royals, Eduardo Rodriguez is probably like one of the only things that you can talk about. Even and that's crazy to say, even though the Tigers are second in the division. I'll give you two guys, that, the two other guys next to Eduardo Rodriguez that I really like. Riley Green, who's 22 years old, we didn't get a full Agreed. season last year because he was, he was hurt last year. He had that that crazy like leg injury at the end of spring training, so we couldn't see him. He, he's come back this year. He's he's performing at top you know top prospect level. He looks really good. You know what I mean? He's definitely yeah. one of the bright spots. You know what I mean? Um, probably the best offensive player on that team right now. And then another guy is Alex Lang. Who he's their closer, high leverage relief guy, who's been great for them. I think if anyone, let's say, goes to a an, an all star game for, from these guys, it's probably Alex Lang in like your reliever role. Um, but like I said, not 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 a lot else to love, right? Like Javier Baez looks like oh, making me cry, making me cry, <laughs> man. My heart, my heart is shattered. I was ho- I was hoping for some type of. Of bounce back, right? Like after the WBC, like I was looking at WBC, like oh man, like Javi's looking good out here. Like he <laughs> might like put together a, a solid season, and and no man, and and I think look, it, it points. That's that's the point that I'm trying to make is like even if we talk about those guys, you're you're talking about the second place team in the division and the fifth place team in the division being in like similar boats where you're kind of like yeah. looking to see like what what good is it that you're doing this year, right? Like it's nothing that's like that jumps off the page at you. Um, and then that leaves the twins, you know, that leaves the twins in the, in the same position that it always kind of leaves the twins where like the twins have a good amount of talent, like mixed in here and there. Right. Like, I don't know, like depending on the type of year they get, cause a guy like, for example, Jorge Polanco, Jorge Polanco is a guy that every year that we talk about him amongst our rankings and everything like that, he's a guy that's very up and down, right? Like he'll come in one season, not saying that he's bad. But like he'll come in one season, give you a 780 OPS, and then the next season give you a 920 OPS, and then the next season go back to 775. Like it's like, so you don't know what what really to expect. But the Minnesota Twins are in a position where like you look at your guys like Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, they're not performing to their level. Joey Gallo, our old friend, is is one of their is one of their like standout hitters this season. And to be honest with them, to be honest with you, it's when you look at the division and you see how it's kind of playing out. The division is pretty much Minnesota's to lose because they like when you look at their rotation, like they have good arms. Again, Pablo Lopez uh, numbers might not jump off the page right now. Pablo Lopez is an arm that a lot of teams would like to have. Like that that's lot, just the reality. Lot of teams tried to get. Lot of teams tried to get yeah, over, over exactly. Over like another another dude that probably should have been an Oriole, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you're if you're talking about him, if you're talking about, you know, Sun your Sonny Grays, your your uh your Kenta Maidas, like all, all of these guys, your, your Joey Ryan's, like they, they have a lot of guys that are standing out for them. They have a lot of guys that stand out on the pitching department. Your, uh, your Duran's in the bullpen. Duran, who's just out here throwing gas for them. Disgusting. You know? Be- in my opinion, best reliever in the MLB. I, I, I know Kano's doing some crazy stuff, and, and we have some guys with like longer history, but for my money, I, I love Duran. He's my favorite reliever in the MLB right now. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's a good one to go with. I, I think. Look, if if you point at their pitching, you point at at, the, at some of the arms that they have in their bullpen. You point at their lineup. Compared directly, again, with the with the rest of the league, it's garbage. But you know, not not literal garbage. But again, there's just higher people. If you compare it directly with the division itself, 
Like it, it's it's all it stands out in just every every sense of the way. So I'm looking at Minnesota like you're going to maintain the division lead. However, you're also the team that probably is out first. Like that like that's a that's a very like look at it this way, right? If Minnesota wins, if Minnesota wins the Central, we all expect whatever winner of the Central to be third, right? The third seed because we expect the AL East winner and the AL West winner to have more wins. So they're going to face the sixth seed who is going to be the third wild card. We're in a very real we're we're in a very realistic position where it might be Yankees or Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like so then you're telling me that you lean on Minnesota in a three-game series against the Yankees or the Blue Jays? Like that that's just the the reality of the world that that we live in. So uh, again, I'm I'm looking at whatever winner comes out of this division, you won the division. That's great. That's that's probably as far as you're going for the year, but Again, I have to tip my cap to to Minnesota in that sense where it would honestly be a shocker to me at this point, even though we do have a bunch of the season left. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it looks like it looks like the division right now is Minnesota's to lose. It's crazy, man. Cause I I hate their I hate their season long teams, right? Like I think like you mentioned, it's not I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this division is under five hundred. Just because, you know, like we mentioned time and time again, this year it's not you don't have as many division games. So you are playing other divisions a lot more. Other teams around them will be a lot more. You're playing every team in the MLB, right? So there's a realistic possibility that the team who wins the, the AL Central is under 500. Like, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy if you have an 81 win, an 81 and 83 winner in the, in the, AL, in the AL Central. It's, it's a real possibility, right? However, what I like about the Twins, which I don't like a lot about the Twins, right? Like, I've... Look, I'm, I'm going to take my, my, my way too early victory lap right now. I've been saying I don't really fuck with Carlos Correa long term. Right? I, I've, I've always said, look, whatever contract he got was too much for Carlos Correa. Well, look, right now, it kind of looks that way. Your premier shortstop doesn't look so premier right now. Um, and that's a big piece for them. Byron Buxton, who, you know, dude, if, if you're not playing center field, your value diminishes heavily because you're, you're a great athlete out there in center field. If you're telling me that you have to DH to stay on, I'm not so afraid of that because I don't think you're an, an out-of-this-world hitter. You're a great defender. Your tools are amazing. But if you're just hitting, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, like okay, we can find we can find someone that can do what, what you do offensively. You're not that special um, uh, offensively, in my opinion, at least. Right? But what they do have is those three guys, right, uh, of Sonny Gray, who he's only a bad pitcher when he wears pinstripes. Um Pablo Our luck. Pa- Pablo Lopez, who who you know everyone loved him this year. His numbers have been great this year. And then Joe Ryan, who is legitimate, right? He looks legitimate for this year. I mean, he those three guys in any series give me five to six because it's what they usually do, and then find me a way to to get me three innings. You mentioned Duran, so now find me a way to get two innings. It's a real possibility that they're gonna, they they can they can win. A playoff series this year. Do I see it happening? No, because the Twins just don't win, right? It's just kind of history there, right? Until you, until you show that you can overcome that, it's hard to say yes, you can do it. Um, but while we're on the Central, I think the, there's there's a real serious questions that got to be asked about the White Sox, and it's not about whether they're going to compete or not. It's are they going to be willing to trade some of their bigger names, right? Like the, the Eloy Jimenez. I love Eloy Jimenez. He has not worked out, and I think right now he still has enough name value that you might be able to send him somewhere 
and and get some stuff back, right? He still looked at as a really good bat. Um, defensively, we don't talk about that, but <laughs> offensively, he's still someone that we think that can get it done. He has value. He's on a really cheap contract. So if you're a team that's looking for another guy, I don't know, maybe the Diamondbacks, right? Maybe maybe someone else who who can use another bat. Do you do you, you know if you're the White Sox, are you think are you are you considering trading him? I think you should be. I think he's someone that you should legitimately say, hey, look, this just didn't work out with us. We got Oscar Collins. Maybe maybe he comes up and, and he does some things, but maybe we think about trading you. Same thing with Tim Anderson. Look, I, Tim Anderson had one great year, and he was the face of, of you know, shortstop for like that year, and that's kind of carrying him. He's been kind of ass after that. He's someone that main value. He still has some value, right? If you're the Angels, maybe. I know Romero's doing really good, but maybe you can put uh, Tim Anderson at second base or something like that. Is that something you're willing to do? And then we mentioned the other guys, Lance Lynn and Giolito. I think those guys should be shipped yesterday at this point before they keep getting worse. The, the one last guy who I don't think will, will get traded because contract's too friendly. But who but who not who knows? Right? Because you know, the the White, you know, Jay Reindorf, whatever his name is, doesn't want to pay people. We we've seen the last dance. Um <laughs> Luis Robert, right? Do you do you try to maximize on him, right? Like, is there someone that you try to trade him to? I think those guys could bring back some serious prospects. Now, are you going to mismanage those prospects and it's going to shit to shit? Yeah. But is it a good move for your fan base to say, hey, look, we know that this isn't working. Let's try to re- retool this thing. Your fans are going to be angry regardless. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I'd love to see if they can – If I'd love to see those names in different uniforms because I still think there's some talent there. All right, man. Let's let's move on to to our other division, and it's not really another division. We're just gonna be talking about about the Rangers here. Question is, are they for real? Do, do you think the Rangers are for real? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one, um, because again, I don't, not I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on the Rangers, but I also don't see a path to them getting to. Hmm, do I see a path? Actually, no, let me take that back because there is a there is a possibility where the Rangers might be able to hold on because um, I fully expect them get to get surpassed by Houston at some point. I, I think I think Houston, when you look at, at them overall as a as an organization, you still have Dusty Baker there, everything. I think when it when the season boils down, they're going they're they're going to take the division. Um, however, we pointed to at, at it before. It's very different now saying that the Rangers manager is Bruce Bochy. And I know Bruce Bochy's not out there playing baseball, you know, hitting or anything like that. But when you have that type of mind as your manager, you tend to be in situations like he was with the San Francisco Giants in a lot of seasons where you tend to get a little bit more from your players. And I think it's all coming together this season for the Rangers, not necessarily for looking at them like being title contenders or anything like that, but their investments are actually starting to pay off. So if, you know, if we go back to two seasons ago when they made that $500, uh, $500 million investment um, between the two contracts of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, we have always said, like, you can go back to every, every season that we've done a Diamond Talk. We've always said Marcus Simeon is just like in that roller coaster type of player, right? You get one bad Simeon year, you get an MVP candidate level year. You get one bad year, you get an MVP candidate. Marcus Simeon is back to, to that. I was looking at his stats. Right now, Marcus Simeon is hitting 296 with an 859 OPS. He has a 138 WRC+. Plus. He's top five in the AL in hits, RBIs, and runs. 
that's that's the type of year that you paid that seven years one seventy five for. Yeah, no, it, it, and and you know they're getting what they're getting from Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager since he's come back from injury. Again, small sample size. His eight games back, he's hitting three twenty three with a with a one point oh five three OPS. So those are the kind of stats that you want to be seeing from Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. And on top of that, they probably have some of the better role players in the in the entire league. You look at a guy like Nathaniel Lowell, who we had in our top ten first base list. He's doing he's doing it again this year. You look at a guy like Adales Garcia, who you know just missed the cut in our top twenty uh, outfielders list. He's leading the AL in home runs and RBIs. You know, he's not going to give you the best advanced stats, like never that, but he's leading in home runs, RBIs, which for a long period of time were looked at, you know, like the like the main categories to look at on offense. You look at a guy like uh, Joe Nahim, um, you know, Josh Young coming up this season, like they're getting a lot. And and again, one of the one of the key things has been the pitching, which we talked about was a was a bit of a, of a question coming into this season. I think in every way possible. They've gotten the Jacob Degrom that was advertised, even with the injuries, because that was advertised. Like you know, yeah. like so. So even though you've had to deal with his injuries, when he's been out there, Jacob Degrom has been one of the top pitchers in the league. So you you got exactly the type of pitcher that that you paid for. It's working out to your favor. You know, you're getting a a, a ridiculous season so far from from Nathan Eovaldi compared to the to the last couple seasons from Nathan Eovaldi. Your John Gray's are pitching well. Your Martin, you know, your Martin Perez's are. Okay, like, but if Mar- if Martin Perez is okay, you can live with that, right? When you have when you have the season that you're getting from Degrom and Eovaldi and Gray, you can live with that because again, Martin Perez wasn't the guy that you were looking at to come in this season and be like, you're our, you're our legit number two. Like, it's just Mar- Martin Perez is is a four on on most types of of playoff teams, and that's that's kind of like what he is for the for the Rangers this season. So I think, look. They're doing everything they're doing again, but the but the Astros are right on them. It's not a situation where they've built out a nine game lead. It's a it's a three game lead. They could have a series with Houston and Houston sweeps them, and, and all of a sudden we have a tie in, in the West. You know, so I think in that sense, I think the Rangers have to kind of pay attention to Houston a little bit. But I think they probably do end up um, in a season where they where they might be able to 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 make it to the playoffs here, especially with Bruce Bochy, you know, uh, leading that team. Joe, honestly, I, I love the Rangers. Um, look, Joe, Jonah, he might be the most underrated catcher we have in the MLB right now. When you look at his advanced stats, they're actually better than Adley Rushman, who we were gushing over before. And, you know, Jonah, I'm a little bit older, um, but he's a defense first catcher who's also a switch hitter, who's also getting, getting it done offensively, which has always been the question mark with him. It really hasn't been his defense. And he's been. He's been he's been playing out of his mind, right? Um, the pitching staff, like, I I trust the Grom as much as I trust. I don't I, I don't trust him very much. I don't know what Grom's doing with that, but I don't I don't I don't trust the Grom very much, right? Like, I, I get it. He's he's among the he's probably one of the best players on the field when he's on the mound, but he's never on the fucking mound, right? So so maybe he comes back, and and I think if you're the Rangers, your saving grace is if we get into October. There's a possibility where we have the Grom, Evaldi, who yo, dude, look. You use problem with Evaldi, right? Like since 2011, which is pretty much his first year, he's only had three seasons with 25 plus starts. A full season of starts is, is 33 starts, right? So it's not the easiest thing to get there, right? But he gets injured a lot, right? Like he's he gets hurt a lot. He's he's one of those guys where 
it's usually not if, it's when. So is there a point this year where he has some discomfort where you're like, oh, shit, we got to shut him down for a month? It's a possibility, right? Um, their starting pitching is what scares me the most. I, I don't really trust their bullpen too much either. So they're, they're probably a team that could use an arm or should take a chance on an arm, right? Uh, one person you didn't mention, but I want to mention just for fun, is Ezekiel Duran was the guy that they received in that Joey Gallo trade with, with, the, with the Yankees. Look, and Ezekiel Duran isn't anything special, but he's a major league player, right? He's, he's their major league uh, third base. No, not third baseman. He's like their role player right now, right? Because uh, what's it called? Seager was injured. But p- point is, point is, they've gotten value out of him. I still see them. I still see them as a wild card team more than a division winner. The Astros have hung around without their best player in Jose Altuve. Uh, well, arguably the best player, right? Because Jordan Alvarez is still there. But um, you know, do I see the Astros going from World Series winners to a team that can't finish in first place? Not, not, not really. I, I just it's it's hard to it's hard to fathom that, even though the, the Astros have dealt with their with their own issues this year. Uh, both on the field and injury wise, but I like I like the team, right? Like I think if we talk about deep lineups, this is a lineup that is deep for a few reasons. One, you have the the established guys. Uh, you know, Simeon is playing like you mentioned, like an MVP. Uh, Seager finally back, but guys like like Josh Young, he's a legitimate AL the rookie like front runner, right? I think I think Yoshida wins it, but if we're having a non-previous professional baseball player uh, rookie of the year, I- I'd probably give it to Josh Young right now. Like He's playing he's playing that well. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard. I, I think that the AL East, because you get to play other divisions, their records are going to run away with, with some of the stuff, right? Like, you might have three. I don't think it's crazy to have four 95-plus, um, like, teams in the AL East. Just because of, of the competition we're playing, right? Because they have to play the central, both centrals, right? They have to play the the bottom half of the NL East. So, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be real 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 tough for the Rangers to to get in as a wild card. It's gonna be tough to any for any team to get in on a wild card, to be honest with you. But I don't know, man. I kind of want to see it. I, I kind of want to see it happen. I I. Uh, yeah. I think no, it'll be I, really interesting. <laughs> dude, I think look, I think we're 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 at the point where. Every few years that go by, we need new blood in the playoff races. Like, and, and it's just like, it sounds weird for us because like, because like, okay, we're Yankee fans, right? So like every we, year, we missed one, I've talked we, about- We've missed one year of playoffs in the last like 30 Yeah. And, and I've talked about it all the time where it's just like, it's also not necessarily me saying that the Yankees are actual contenders. Like I've said it before, if you look at the last decade, there's maybe three years of the last 10 where I've looked at a Yankees roster going into the season and being like, yeah, I think we can contend for a title legitimately this season. That's not saying that I still didn't view those teams as playoff, you know, as playoff making teams compared to other le- to other teams in the league. But I think we're at the point where, yes, we, we need a, a, a more of an injection of energy, right? We're at, we're at a point where the Rangers could be in there. The Orioles could be in there, you know, not necessarily uh, right now. But when you look over at the NL, you look at at a team like the Marlins, who could probably start making a little bit of noise in coming seasons. You look at the Diamondbacks, who could probably make a little bit of noise as well. Like we need these these teams to kind of go. It, it's it's boring to see the same thing every year, right? Like it's like you can only have so many of oh here's Tampa and Toronto, and here's Tampa and the Yankees, and like you know here's here's the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Like it's like it's it's the same thing over and over again. Like yes, not saying that the AL East won't 
probably still remain a, a powerhouse because again we we talked about the Blue Jays before as a as an as a team that's like we view them as the team that should be running away with the East. They just don't do it. The Rays continue their development. The Yankees will always be in the conversation. The Orioles are in a, are in a position where you know they're on their way up. The Red Sox are are always like every year, no matter what. Even if we look at it at at a team that might suck on the field, like they're just annoying to play. Like that's that's how like a lot of the, a lot of these teams stick around. But we kind of need that new energy when it comes to them. I, th- I think the Rangers. The Rangers. I'll say this: the Rangers might be. Out of those new energy teams, just just be based on how you view their situation, they might be the most legitimate threat out of like those new energy teams to become a contender quick. They have an ace in the Grom. Again, people have different opinions, but if you're if you if you're going into a postseason with a healthy Degrom, you have one of the best pitchers in the game. I'll, I'll, as take, an I'll ace. take that. I'll take that step forward because I I see Evolve, when Evolve is healthy, I see him as an ace. So I would go as far as saying they have two aces in, in the Grom baseball. Yeah, no, that that so they're not weak in that pitching sense. Now, they they fulfilled they fulfilled the need where it's funny because you just talked about it, you know, with the with the White Sox prior where where you said they might have to start, you know, considering trading some of their pieces. The only reason why I slightly agree with you, but also slightly disagree, is because I need to see the White Sox under a manager that I actually think is a good manager for them. So like I've talked about it before where I don't I don't think this this hire that they did of Pedro Griffo, I, I didn't think it was the right hire at the time, replacing a guy like like Tony LaRussa. Not saying that Tony LaRussa was anything magical or anything like that, because he definitely wasn't, but I would have to see who they hire in that sense. Because again, Bruce Bochi, even though he's not on the field playing, he is he is very big on why this change is happening right now. And we all all three of us talked about it when we when when the hire was first made. As soon as Bruce Bochy was hired, that's kind of when we were like, oh, okay, the, the Rangers are legit in terms of like the investments that they're making, their new ballpark, the new players that they're bringing in, everything like that. They went out, they acquired, again, when they're on, Corey Seager is a top five shortstop in the game. When they're on, Marcus Simeon is a top five second baseman in the game. We're in a position where your Nathaniel Lowe's are top 10 first baseman. Your, your Adalis Garcia are probably moving into top 20 outfielder conversation, everything like that. They have pieces that that almost any other team would want. And now that you have Bruce Bochy at the top, I think you have the correct leader in place to kind of make all those pieces work in the way that they're supposed to. I, I agree with you 100%, man. I think the, the one thing to, to kind of um, finish up on with, with the Rangers is their plan to be competitive kind of went to the other side too, right? Because what we thought at this point in time is we'd be thinking of guys like Jack Leiter coming up sometime this year, which he's been pretty bad, so I don't I don't think we see him this year. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I think we you don't see him for for a while, right? But he was someone that was supposed to come in and, and, and help out. Um, you know, other, other prospects on there who, you know, he just got hurt, Kumar Rocker, but he was a guy that they pretty much stole for nothing because the Mets decided not to sign him. Uh, you know, right. He went down with injury, so we're not going to see him. But that was the plan for them. It was, hey, how can we build this team from the prospects? And then, you know, as we we talked about being the year, John Daniel gets fired. Chris Young's in there as the as the um, you know full GM, president of, of baseball operations, and they said, fuck it, we're going to spend money. Right? We have this new stadium. It looks like an airplane hangar. Um, we're going to absolutely invest in in getting some of the best players in the game here. Right, Seager, Simeon, Degrom. So you know, they 
you got you kind of got to be impressed, right? Like we always talk about spending money the right way, and mm-hmm. based on the results, you kind of have to say they spent the money the right way so far, um, which is not easy to do as as we've seen around the league. Um, you know, let's but let's talk about some surprises this year, though, man. Because I think the Rangers are, are surprised in their own, in, in a certain certain aspects, but. What are what are some some surprises for you this this season? Oh man, look, bad. I I think I think look, we can say we can say right there in, in the in the AOS. I think when you look over at Seattle and especially Julio Rodriguez, man, Julio Julio Rodriguez is 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 he is the epitome of when we talk about you know like I, I talked a little bit earlier of like J Ram and the Guardians. Like you only go as far as as that guy is is going for you. We've talked about it before, man. That's exactly what the case is with Seattle and Julio Rodriguez. I don't see Seattle as a team that <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy to put that much pressure um, and expectations on just one player. But I don't see Seattle as a as a team that that's like, yo, like I have all these additional pieces compared to a Julio Rodriguez. Like like all these pieces are going to be performing well, and Julio Rodriguez is the only piece that's not going to be doing that. Like, no, I don't I don't see Seattle as that type of team. Um, you know. Dude, it's it's bad in the sense too when you compare Adley Rushman. And you don't want to make that direct comparison because it's like it's different position, it's a different it's a different team and everything like you that. You kind of have to but, though. You, you kind of have to. Yeah, you, they came up together. Year, yeah. Yeah, last year with the with the rookie of the year voting like and and I just talked about uh, Adley through his first same same amount of games is 80 plus points on the OPS side. Julio, like compared to his last season, is down over 100 points on the OPS side, almost in the 600s, which is which is extremely bad in terms of of how we view him as a player. Like this is a guy who we had ranked as our sixth outfielder coming into the season. Obviously, you know, with with the question marks that we had, we had we had him ranked uh, higher than Fernando Tatis Jr. and Ronald Acuna Jr. And now that Ronald Acuna and Fernando Tatis are, are back, they're in a whole different. Um, you know, they're back on their whole different galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And and then it's like, they, they definitely leapfrogged him, which again, we also talked about, like, it's not like we just took Julio Rodriguez as like, he's a better player than Tati Jr. Jr. Absolutely not. That's not what we said. That that's not what we said at all. But you know, for a guy that we, that we hold in that same breath of like, even if you're the bottom end, right. Even if you're the bottom end of your Acuna juniors and your Soto, Tati Jr. Judge, Trout, being at the bottom of, end of that means that that you're elite, you know, and I, I don't think he's been doing um, enough of, of what's been needed for for the Seattle Mariners, especially like the Seattle Mariners were such a good story last year. Um, I, st- I still think that they're a pretty good team, but it's kind of um, it's kind of a significant example on their end to see just how quick things happen. Right. Because they were in a position last year where they made the postseason. And people, people like, including myself, I, I think I had the, the Mariners going back to the postseason this year. And, you know, some people are, are like, you're right in having that thought because, again, they're not a bad team. But at they're the not, same time, it, it shows you like, yo, the Rangers want to spend money. Boom. Leapfrog you. <laughs> the Angels, the Angels just off the fact of having Trout and Otani have the possibility to, to leapfrog teams. Not saying they're going to jump to contention, but it happens that fast. And for the Mariners, I don't see that they, that they, are necessarily in a in a position where they're going to like dig themselves out of this hole this year because dude it's not gonna stop right like like the Astros and the Rangers aren't just all of a sudden gonna go on like 15 game losing streaks and like and like let you get back into it so I think when it gets to this certain type of point it's crazy the problem the problem with both Seattle this year was they did zero to try to get better this offseason right your major move was 
Let's trade away Posse Wong. Colton Wong, bro. Wong. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's... <laughs> let, let's trade away. Let, let's trade away um, a piece of our strength, was, which was our bullpen, to the Brewers for a declining second baseman. When you could have had that, you could have had a better second baseman. Was already on your roster, and Adam Frazier. Like that was your big move. You know what I mean? And oh, and Tio, Tio Hernandez, right? Tio Oscar Hernandez was, was probably a bigger move than that. But still, it, it's just one of those things where we, we talk about it all the time, right? The Seattle the, the Seattle Mariners lineup. Right? If I put this person in my lineup, am I happier or, or less happy? And again, their lineup, I, I think their lineup's fine, right? Like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, right? Like, I think they have good pieces that are already role pieces. I've, you know, I've, last year I kind of got burnt on this, but I, I said, look, like, I don't think Julio Rodriguez is a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. or Fernando Jr., right? I don't think he's that level. I think he's he's a tier below. And, you know, obviously I'm not going it, to – it's fucking May, right? He could absolutely tear it up for the rest of the year. But what he's shown so far is he's a second-tier guy. Like, he's still a superstar. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between a superstar yeah. and all-time great. You know what I mean? I think, like I said, I've always said Ronald Acuna Jr. to me is an all-time great, one of the best prospects I've ever seen come into this league, right, where, like, I'm foaming at the mouth talking about Ronald Acuna Jr., because I think he's that good. Same thing with Fernando Cease Jr. I think these guys are just so much better than anyone else in baseball when it, when it comes to doing the things they can do on the field, right? And I thought Julio Rodriguez isn't good. I, I think Julio Rodriguez is really good. But I, I, I'm not excited about his upside as much as I was those other guys coming in. Um, man, I'll give, you, I'll give you my bad surprise. I mean, my, my, my bad surprise so far. And I'll give you a list of them because these are guys who just absolutely said, I'm booby. Yo, Alec Manoa, bro, I, I don't care who you are. No one's no one projected he's going to be that bad. Nobody at all. No His one. talent says he shouldn't be that bad. There's no way. Jose Abreu, who I love going to the Astros, he's, you know, he's yet to hit a home run. And, and it's not that home runs are the end-all, be-all, but he's also looked very bad. It's, it's why they're under the Rangers. His teammate, Alex Bregman, Oh, buddy, it's been a long time since we talked about you as one of the top five players in MLB. And it's not your fault, but like I said, when, when we talk about it, people think that we're just like assholes, that we just have like this agenda against the, the Astros. We've always said he's not one of the top players in the game. He had maybe a couple of good seasons. He's in a really good lineup, but he's not one of the top players in the game. He's not even – bro, he's, he's bordering outside the top ten of third baseman right now, legitimately. I, I think there's a real world where after this year – he might not be the best third baseman in Texas, right? Jace Young looks a lot. I mean, sorry, Jace Young. Uh, Josh Young looks a lot better than than Alex Bregman right now, in in my opinion, right? Like if I if it came down to it, a playoff spot, who would I rather have? I'd probably still have Bregman, but he looks like Alex Bregman does not look like a top player in this game. He looks like another guy. Starling Marte. One of the reasons Mets fans are panicking. Starling Marte has been awful. For for a dude who should be taking advantage of these stolen base rules, he's has not. You gotta get on base too to, to seal some bases, but still, like Starling Marte, I think he's one of those big, like bad question marks. And then Jamison Tyon. Look, Jamison Tyon was never gonna be otherworldly, but he no one thought he was gonna be as bad as he's been this year. His ERA is like at an eight. So so those are guys that I'm just like, oh my god, where the fuck is this coming from? Because they're not just like playing below their third grade, they're like nosedive into the ground of, of like being relevant for, for for an MLB roster right now. Um, yeah, no, I I think Manoa Manoa is probably the most hurtful one 
because he like he hurts the the Blue Jays chances of being a, a legit contender drastically like Gaussman and Manoa like that was your one-two punch of like being able to compete with the rest of the teams that you look as at contenders and no Alec Manoa is have is having a dreadful like dr- like dreadful season there's not even like oh like he he does this thing good no it's like every every advanced analytic that you can that you can look on him is just bad this year and it's very surprising for a guy that just came off a top three Cy Young finish definitely not what you want to see um one more guy that I'll throw in there as well in terms of, of just bad um it and again it's still early and I, I love this player but again it just is what it is is Treya Turner uh Treya Turner for for Philly his numbers are his numbers are way down he had, he's hitting 244 with a 676 OPS especially when you just signed an 11 year 300 million dollar deal that's not the season that you want to be having for a guy that at worst was viewed as the second best shortstop in the entire game of baseball coming into this season and off the WBC performance that he had. Um, I was not expecting this start uh, from Trey Turner, especially because he spent most of his career in the NL East, right? So it's a division that you're also like returning to, you're familiar with. So he, I, I expected the numbers to go back there too. He, yeah, he said no, for sure. Go back to East. <laughs> I would throw the whole Phillies team in there, right? Because I think I think all of them kind of suck right now. If I'm completely honest with you, just, do you have any good surprises? Yeah, um, good. Um, I had one that I wrote down mainly because uh, it, it pisses me off, and that's Sean Murphy. <laughs> um, and that, that I'm not necessarily saying that I'm surprised, um, because again, I I viewed him as as an elite p- uh, player at his position. But if you look at his offense this year, two seventy four, nine thirty five OPS. Um, I think we had him ranked number four um, overall catcher. Dude, he's he's making a fight for to be number one. Like, that's how good he's playing. I know that we have our opinions on, on guys like Adley Rushman, but Sean Murphy is is making a case to be the top catcher in the game of baseball this season. And for a guy that you've heard me complain before, like, I don't care what we have. Like, the Yankees should try to get Oakland on the phone, try to see what they want for Sean Murphy. Like, we can we can have our catching position locked up for a decade. Like, we can be good, right? And that trade doesn't go down. Sean Murphy gets acquired by one of the best organizations in the entire sport with the Atlanta Braves, now having his best career year, possibly the top catcher, the top catcher in the game, and, like, in top 10 NL MVP discussion. Like, yeah, because that's supposed to make me happy, so... That's a good thing I'm throwing out there. Just in case people don't know, Sean Murphy is going crazy in Atlanta. Yeah, I, man, I, and to think about the guys they got him for, Sean, like, they, they got him for, for, for Mueller, who isn't even on the MLB roster anymore. They, they sent him down to AAA so he can take, figure it out. Um, and that was the big piece there. It's, it's, it's nuts, man. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Braves when it comes to good surprises. Um, my, one of my good surprises for the Braves was Orlando Arcia. Right, like he's not someone that they thought was gonna play full time shortstop. Right, they had Von Grisham from last year, and everyone expected Von Grisham to be the the starting shortstop this year. Orlando Orlando Arsenal not only went in there and is playing very good shortstop, but he got his extension, so now he's playing uh, shortstop for the for the foreseeable future for the Braves for twelve dollars an hour, which is incredible because that's <laughs> yeah, it's like a no- it's like a normal day job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know. Other guys, and these aren't like big name guys that are gonna go crazy, and I don't see them kind of, you know, being super relevant. But Dairo Estrada from the from the Giants, he's been really good, and you know we always knew that he was a, a good bat to ball guy, but he's he's been great this year. He's he's been their best player arguably for, for the Giants, and the Giants are slowly creeping over five hundred, where they're 
They have a better record than the Padres, which you know, not saying much, but but still they're they're creeping up. Uh, are they contenders? I say no, but point is, and you'd be right. He's doing, <laughs> he's, he's doing really good. And then a unit that I that I think is overachieving, and if you look at this entire roster, it it screams it's awful. But when you look at their their record and and their numbers, they're actually not too bad. My, my my last good surprise is is the national starting pitching, which I think it's the biggest shock I would have said here, right? But Josiah Gray is pitching really well. I think he finally turned the corner of I'm a legitimate MLB starter, right? Has an ERA under four, which sounds like oh that's not special, but when you're playing for the Nationals, right? We kind of have to give you that that those those props, right? Um, other guy who it's not that he's pitching really well, it's that he's improved a lot. In the, since his last year is, um, what's it called? I'm, I'm gonna miss his name now. Uh, Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin. His oh, ERA yeah. is 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 about four. It's 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 a little bit over four. It's four one five. And you're probably saying, like, why the fuck are we talking about you know, talking about a guy <laughs> who has like a four one five ERA as a good thing? The truth is, compared to how he's been pitching the last few years for the Nationals, it's actually kind of above what he's been doing by a lot. Right, and if you can get any any kind of production from that contract, you take it and you run with it, right? Um, Absolutely. So he he's someone that, like I said, we're not gonna talk about the Nationals a lot this year, but I think it's worth mentioning that their starting pitchers have been doing better. Right, McK- Mackenzie Gore is on that list too, right? Everyone knows I I I had a crush on Mackenzie Gore, that soon faded, but still, like you know. The, the the starting pitching unit's been been pretty good for for the Nationals. Is what I'm trying to say here. And does that continue? Does that mean anything in the grand scheme of things? No. But it's going to be very rare that we give Nationals any flowers this year. So when when we can, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. Um. Let's let, let's finish off here, man. And and the big the big ender was Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell both joined the 400 Save Club. Both doing it against their former team, the Atlanta Braves. My question to you is: Do you think they get into the Hall of Fame? Because I, I think with closers, it's it's really fucking weird. Do you, what do you think about their Hall of Fame chances? I think, uh, dude, it's tough because I I was looking at the I was looking at the list as well. So I I similarly to that question, not just like do they get into the Hall of Fame because I I think it's an important question to pair with that. The question that I had on my end is, do either of them, and I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean Jansen more than Kimbrell at this moment in time, but do either of them get to 500 now that they got to four? And I think that is probably a key indicator to how good their chances are because we've had a bunch of other guys that we can point to, um, you know, at least on my end, even though he's not like up up there in, in safe, he has more than, but like Billy Wagner is the guy that I, I look at like, dominant closer should be in the hall of fame i I forget his exact i think it's like 420 something saves that he has in his career um and you know you look at the guys that that are in front john franco uh you know lee smith like and these are guys that didn't make it uh francisco rodriguez these are also guys that didn't get to 500 though like i think the i think lee smith is the is the highest at 478 um and then you have obviously your two hall of famers in mariano and trevor hoffman who both got to 600 so we haven't even had a third reliever in the history of the game get to 500. I think if either one of them is able to do that, I think that will 
100% punch their ticket at some point. I don't know if they're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe by year two or three. But, I mean, the the conversation about these two guys, especially because I think a lot of people tend to forget, especially how the game of baseball is kind of evolving like now, right? Like we're not in a in a position where we necessarily see teams have these guys be their closer for a 10-year period unless the guy is just like the elite of the elite. Like you're you're probably the only main guy that you're pointing at who has stayed around that even though what the stats were last year is Josh Hader in terms of of the of the last few seasons. You know, you have your guys who are closers here and there, your Edwin Diaz like for sure, but it's not even up to that sustained level of success as a Jansen or or a Kimbrel who for a lot of their career were, yo, Craig Kimbrell was on track to to potentially surpass Mariano Rivera. Like not necessarily like, you know, in terms of like advanced stats or postseason success or anything like that. But in terms of like overall saves, like people forget, like if you compare both of their numbers, just to point it out here, because I was looking, I wanted to look at their uh, like extended periods with the with the single teams that they were with. So we know they've been in a bunch of teams now, but Jansen mainly with the Dodgers, Kimbrell mainly with the Braves. Their first eight years for both of them, Kim, uh, Jansen's first eight years with the Dodgers, he had a 2.08 ERA. He had a 0.87 whip, a 1.84 FIP, 230 saves in those first eight seasons. For Craig Kimbrell, his first eight years with Atlanta, he had a 1.80 ERA. He had a 0.91 whip, a 1.81 FIP, and 291 saves. So in his first eight years with Atlanta, Kimbrel almost had 300 saves. Like the way that he was going, he was probably the closest guy, just how the success he was having that had a shot to potentially reach Mariano. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, because again, he at this point, he would need like 250 more saves. And I don't think that's going to happen. But hey, can they stick around, you know, maybe help a team out here or there? I don't know, man. That That's the tough part. Because if if the goal would be for them to get to 500 saves, to then say that they have a good shot to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're you're you have to look at maybe what two or three more years of of pitching well enough to get 30 saves a season because I think once you start to decline past that point, a team is going to just put someone new in that role to kind of take over and I think once that happens, it's going to be very tough to be able to go back to that closer's role and add saves on to your to your overall total. So, if you had to ask me right now, I would say no based on where they are right now. If if they if they stopped right now, no, I would have to see what their like end career total is for save-wise, but I think what we can clearly say is these have been two of the most dominant relievers that we've seen, you know, especially modern day modern day baseball. And when it when it's all said and done, you look at the couple guys that are in front of them, they're they they have a good shot of probably breaking into the top 5 of all of saves all time. So um, for both of them, I think it's it's a great job, and it's it's great to see in the game whenever we can celebrate like these these level of accomplishments. It's it's kind of funny, man. Like I think the most dominant closer I've seen since Mariano was Craig Kimbrell. Right, you mentioned his stretch with the Atlanta Braves. I would say as far as people like I I got to to, to enjoy because I didn't really see Hoffman much. Right, we didn't have MLB Network right. when Hoffman was pitching, so he was he was a West Coast dude. Right, so I didn't I didn't get to enjoy Hoffman. But I did get to enjoy Kimbrough, right? He's a, a you know TBS and then that network deal and stuff like that, and MLB Network started coming up during that time. Kimbrough was dominant as hell, right? Where he was the guy that it's like, look, who's the best closer? You don't even think about it, right? It, it was Craig Kimbrough. It, it, there was no second guessing it. You know, those few guys, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe, no, no. It was, it was Craig Kimbrough. 
right? It was um, his his stretch in Atlanta was was ridiculous. I thought it was crazy that they didn't re-sign him when when um, he became you know eligible to be a free agent. I mean, he, you know, he goes to Boston when the World Series come or whatever. But um, I don't know if I've seen a more dominant stretch than than Craig Kimbrell, right? Uh, with Kenley. I think Kelly had the fortune of playing for a great team. Right? He played for, for the Dodgers, who the Dodgers, since he was there, they were always a team that flirted with 100 wins, if not had more than 100 wins. And, you know, if you're closer for a team like that, you're going to get about 40. You know, 40, for, about 40 of those games are going to be close enough to, to do something with, right? And if you talk to Dodger fans, I don't think any Dodger fans are going to say, yes, Kelly was lights out outside of, like, three years. I think there's a three-year span where Kelly was, that dude, and then outside of that, they were like, he was kind of frustrating. <laughs> I was, I was okay when when they when they let him when they let him go, right? Which I don't think was the feeling with Kimball. Uh, you know, that being said, I, I think Kenley Jansen can get to five hundred. Uh, he's pitching really well with the Red Sox this year, right? Uh, he probably tacks on thirty to thirty five this year with the Red Sox, and I think his career is good enough that he can pitch as a closer for the next two, three years. So I think there is a realistic chance that he gets to 500. I personally don't have Kenley as a Hall of Famer, though, even if he does get to 500, which is going to sound like a hater thing to say, but, like, I just didn't, see, I just don't see his string of dominance the same as Kimbrell. I also don't think Kimbrell's a Hall of Famer either, because it's one of those things that you have to do it for, for a long enough amount of time, right? It's the reason why we don't talk about Eric Gagne in the Hall of Fame, when, arguably, he had one of the best stretches as a closer. Uh, same thing with Brian Wilson, and, and the Giants, right? He had a really entertaining kind of uh, few seasons as a closer. But, you know, if you if you asked me five years ago, before Kimbrough really ha- started having those injuries, whether he was going to be a Hall of Famer, I'd say I, I don't see a world where he isn't, right? But then he started getting hurt, and, and, you know, the numbers aren't quite there, and his ERA's bloated, and he couldn't get it done with the Dodgers, he couldn't get it done with the Red Sox, and, you know, now he's on his fifth, sixth team. I don't think that that they'll that he'll get voted in either, right? Even if he gets to five hundred, Un- unless something happens where in the next two years he figures it out and he has an ERA under two and he's getting thirty to forty saves a year, I just don't see that happening for him. And based on his recent track record, so you know, if, if I was betting man, I'd say neither of them get in, even if Kenley gets six hundred saves, which I, I don't see that happening either. But I mean. It's, it's cool I think, to talk about, though, right? I think ju- just to add one more thing to that, I think it's going to be their case, like when, when, you know, when they're retired and they come up on, on potentially going into the hall, I think their case is going to be one of the most interesting to watch just based on, you know, where the numbers end and everything like that. Because at some point you have to set like a threshold of where you kind of view relievers having to get pat, you know, like for the longest time, we always knew like, oh, if a guy gets to the 500 home run club, Hall of Famer. If a guy gets 3000 hit club, Hall of Famer, right? Like you have to get to, I know that, that it, it's very rare with the relievers, but Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman can't also be the threshold to which you hold future relievers, you know, cause at that point, then you're never going to have another Hall of Fame like reliever. If you say you have to get to 600 saves and then also have the period of longevity, like a Mariano Rivera, where Mariano Rivera was age plus 40 seasons, still being one of the best closers in the game of baseball. So I think it's going to be interesting from that sense, because again, 
I would agree with you, but then I have to see what the threshold is because if Canley or Kimbrell, whatever does have it, does get to 500, and now you can make the case that, okay, they are number three all time. No one else has gotten a 500. I, I'm just saying from, you know, from my end, from a, from a viewer watching how people vote, I would want to know like what type of criteria they, they are looking at. Because if, if Kenley can manage to put together another, I'll say it like this. If you have the ability to have 30 to 40 saves coming up in, in, the, in this season, right? Like this season, let's say next year, he doesn't at that. You have to be throwing some, some like good, good, um, like innings and things like that, right? Like you have to be having a good ERA. You have to be having good advanced stats for you to stay in that closer role and also get 30, 40 ish saves or whatever. Um, so we have to see how it turns out. But I, I think by it's going to be very important to watch them getting how their vote goes because it's going to set a threshold of how we view rel relievers moving forward. Because we've had other elite guys, your Billy Wagner's, your, you know, the single season from K Rod, K Rod having the single season saves record and things like that, and, and him being like top five in saves. So we've had other guys in this type of conversation, but I feel like because there is that gap between those guys and Mariano and Trevor Hoffman, who just are the only two, you know, separated from everyone else. I think at some point we have to reach like, what is the midpoint here of this? And then this other elite status, which we're looking at. It, it, it's tough, man. You look, you mentioned Lee Smith. Uh, I think John Franco is another good example of a dude who just went out there and did it for such a long time. Yeah. I, I, I think part of the problem or, Part of the problem with the Hall of Fame when it comes to voting into the Hall of Fame and where we're at right now is that your best relief pitcher isn't necessarily your closer anymore, right? Um, and we see that with Josh Hader, where it's now that now that he's in San Diego, they use him as a closer, but when he was in Milwaukee, a lot of those innings were just, hey, look, it's the seventh inning, and we have the middle of the lineup. We're just going to throw you in here because we think that if we can sneak this three outs or these sneak these five outs, Whoever our next reliever is can take care of the, the eight, nine, one guys, right? Where it's a different way of thinking about how we use the, the best reliever, quote unquote. So it, it is going to be hard, man. I, I, honestly, I don't. I think, I think closer ads itself has slowly become diminished. You know what I mean? If you look at the way like the Yankees use their closer role, which they don't have a closer, right? Um, it, it's funny that the team with the greatest closer of all time no longer has a closer. Um, <laughs> tough, man. It's tough to fill those shoes. Well, I mean, it is tough. And if you look at just, like, other fringe guys, like, dude, Aroldis Chapman, hate him or love him, for a long time, he was the dominant closer, right? And there's a good possibility that we're talking about him crossing over 400 at some point, right? Like, right now, he's at he's at 317, right? Is, is there a world where, especially, especially the way he looks recently, where he gets signed to a contender and now he's at 400 and, and then 500 potentially. I mean, it could happen. Crazy shit's happen, right? And, you know, so, so I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. This is, really, this is a really tough one. Um, I, I just don't see – I don't see a lot of guys getting more than – let's put this – I don't see us having this closer conversation, the safe conversation, after this crop of guys, right? Like, like yeah. after – I think Chapman's where the, the list ends. After – Chapman, I don't see us having the closer conversation. Maybe um, what's his name from from the Mets? I'm I'm, I'm blanking out. He doesn't exist anymore. Edwin Edwin, Edwin Diaz. <laughs> maybe maybe Edwin Diaz. You know, he comes back and, and he's good enough to yeah to have a long career where people look at him as closer. But outside of that, like it's really hard to say this is a role that we have in on major league teams. We're gonna have one guy do it. 
right? And for better or for worse, it's kind of just the way I think we're heading it right now. Um, I mean, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be funny, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a topic of conversation for sure. But before we get out of here, man, is, is there anything you want to end off on? Nah, man. Like I like I always do. Just there, there's good baseball coming up ahead. I think. I think a lot, a lot of the stuff kind of plays into itself in terms of of just getting interesting things to watch, right? Like we could have a look over at the AL East and be like, "Oh, who's gonna come out of the AL East?" Because it's such a tough division, and you can look at the Central and say, "Oh, who's gonna come out the Central?" Because it's such a bad division, right? Like everyone's so close because you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, I'm just looking forward to to kind of the things that we that we're gonna talk to here in the coming weeks and and as we approach the trade deadline, because I think. We've been we've been talking about it a little bit, but even you know when you look at a team like the Rangers, the Orioles, these kind of fringe teams, I think these are the teams that kind of have to start to get involved in these trade deadline discussions um, when the time is right, instead of just always you know being Dodgers, Yankees, Padres, like who are they going to trade for next? So I, I think these teams have to start moving along because there there's a very real window there for a lot of these teams. It's not it's not the same. Um, like baseball world anymore where the Yankees would dominate or the Dodgers would dominate or anything like that. I think a lot of teams are making good strides and they're they're starting to get a, a better competitive balance. So I want to see some of the smaller markets kind of, you know, be even more invested in their franchises. I mean, I, I mean I, I, that's pretty good, man. I, I, I think that just if you're going to do it, it's kind of, it kind of has to be now or never, right? Uh, yeah. You know, the thing I want to end off on, man, we've seen some, the, the power of great players. Right, last last month, Juan Soto was garbage. Like he was, he was, he was absolutely garbage. In the span of thirty days, he's already amounted a two WAR, which is pretty much amongst the top of the MLB right now. Right, like not many guys are up to two right now. Right, you mentioned Julio Rodriguez has been playing all year. Like he pretty much leap jumped in, in in the span of a month. Right, with one month of production. That's what the special players could do. Um, you know, Fernandez Jr., like, he's been back a month. And, and it's been hit or miss, but mostly hit. Uh, he's already kind of at the leaderboard. He's at, he's at 1.5 war, right, for, for a dude who's played less than a month right now, or about a month. Um, that, that to say is, I, I always say this, I don't take anything serious in, in, in during MLB season till mid-June. We're entering June right now. So these next couple of weeks, you kind of have – to reach your teams to really start figuring out who they're going to be. I, you know, we're about to really start having some real conversations about what who teams are. You know I mean? So the Rangers, these next two weeks are important, right? We're going to see, you know, for me, the, this conversation two weeks from now is going to be that much more important than, than it is right now because we can really see what's like, what's happening, right? The Orioles, dude, if, if the Orioles have two, two bad weeks and now we're looking at like, yeah, we told you starting pitching is bad, we look at them differently. Right? And I think all, all these teams are going to have different stretches, but I think these next two weeks are really important just to see what the outlook of the 2023 MLB season is. Dude, um, just to just to add to your thing about Juan Soto, like we were we were looking so down on him a couple of weeks ago. Juan Soto is currently slotted in, obviously just on the betting sites, predicting on how he's going to keep on going. Juan Soto is currently slotted in as the fourth favorite for NL MVP, which was not the case even two weeks ago. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. yeah, if you want to get those bets in, like Juan Soto's at, a, at like a plus 1600 right now for MVP. So we got to see how this year ends out for him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there you go. Put, put your money. Put, put your money there. <laughs> All right, man. We are out of here. We will catch you next week. Man. Peace out.